0: Hi, I'm Pete Price, and my podcast today is with Julie Hedgeman Halch, and she's a wonderfully talented lady. She's never off television. She played Hayley. She is absolutely magical. Have a listen to this magical woman who's at the Playhouse Liverpool. Liverpool
1: Live.
0: Ladies and gentlemen. I am thrilled that we've got Julie Hesman-Houch with us right now. I am delighted with this lady. I was one of the first people to interview her when she went on Coronation Street. She's bringing live theatre back. She's coming to Liverpool, to the Playhouse in the greatest play in the history of the world. I am delighted to say hello to Julie. Hello, Julie. Hello, Pete. It's lovely to speak to you again after all these years. It's been Mm -hmm. a long time. In fact, the last time we talked, you had bought Pat Phoenix's house and I said that I used to go and see Pat regularly.
1: Oh my goodness! I remember that. Yeah, well, it wasn't it wasn't Pat's house; it was Tony Booth's house. Oh, Tony's house that um, so he got. Yeah, but I I have Pat's bird bath in my garden <laughs> uh, still to this day. It's getting a little bit worse for wear after being beaten by the uh, Manchester weather for so many years. But yeah, it's there, in pride of place in my garden. I'm looking at it right now. It's my bedroom window over. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I remember us having that conversation. I remember
0: it, Pete. Over fifty years, I've interviewed so many people, and I'm thrilled that I've I've supported the theatre as somebody who's in the entertainment industry. Anyway, but you're one of the people that stays with me because you always appear to be a magical lady, and don't seem to ever lose your temper. <laughs>
1: Oh, Pete, I that, that, absolutely not My children might uh, might uh, have a, a few words to say with you about that, Pete. Um yeah, oh yeah, I, I have been known to lose my temper. Sure. <laughs> um yeah, and never about like the right things either, you know, which is a shame, isn't it? Because I'm a I'm a great believer in righteous anger about the things that are you know, right to get mad at. But it's usually just, you know, stuff yeah. like people not, you know, washing the breakfast bowl and stuff like that that tick me over the edge. It's always the same, isn't it? <laughs> There's a
0: magical video that I've put on Twitter and I've put all over social media about you talking about the greatest play in the history of the world. It it really is magical. Tell us again the story about you wanting to work the playhouse.
1: Oh, it is a lovely story, isn't it? So so when I was a teenager, I had absolutely terrible teeth and they were so bad that I had to go from Accrington to a special orthodontist in Liverpool. You know, there's that, that road, there's that... The street in Liverpool where all the dentists are. Rod- Rodney it. Street that's the one yeah and it's like near the cathedral yep. and so my dad used to take me I used to have to go about once a month to have my braces tightened up on Rodney Street and we'd go and we'd go to the, both cathedrals and we just loved it and once I took my best friend Connie and Connie was also in Coronation Street she played Sally's sister in Corrie um, Connie Hyde we were both doing um, our theatre studies A-level at Accrington College so she came with me one day and we were walking around Liverpool and we went past the players, and, and we sneaked in and to this day I don't know how that was possible I mean it's obviously we could never happen now but we sneaked into the auditorium and we sat at the back of the auditorium looked at the stage and Connie said to me one day, two, one day we'll be on stage here. And I said, yeah, we will come. And this is the first time that I'm going to actually be on stage at the Playhouse. Obviously, I've seen many things there over the years. I've been in that auditorium many times, but never been on stage. So I'm absolutely over the moon to finally have made it on the
0: Liverpool Playhouse stage from Tuesday this week. And a play that's written by your husband.
1: Yes, yes absolutely, it's a very, very special play to all to and our family because um, a few years ago I said to him, well what's the point of being married to a writer if you don't write anything for me and over one Christmas he kept disappearing to the cellar and produced after Christmas, this beautiful one woman show and I'd, and I'd said to him, make it non-age specific so it's something that we can tour right into our dotage. You know, the idea being that like in our 80s we can just be like, oh, there's a little festival in Brooklyn, let's pack a suitcase and go. And And he presented me with this gorgeous play, which is a love story set on a northern street, but with the background of the golden record on Voyager 1 and Carl Sagan and the whole idea of trying to find a way to sum up earth and life on earth and what we would put on the golden record and so it's it's a play that's all about the particular it's full of tiny details of everyday life but it's also an epic play about the universe and space and about what it all means at the end of the day really and and it's also about loneliness and loss and isolation it's very funny I hear people add but it just seemed like the perfect play to take on the road at this time, mm. as well as the theatres were emerging from this extraordinary and difficult time that we've we've been in. And it's a play that was done before. We did it in Manchester. We did it um, in the West End. We did it at, at Edinburgh Festival. But it just seemed the perfect time to take it to, to northern regional theatres as audiences were starting to come back in a very socially distanced yeah. way into into theatres that... It's so special to those towns. So, I mean, I've been in Oldham this week, you know, the Coliseum is such a massive part of Oldham. I've been to Nottingham, to Hull, to Scarborough. I've been, I mean, I've been to Chester. It's been absolutely lovely. And each of those theatres, the people in the towns have such ownership and I know that Liverpool are, such ownership over the playouts and the everyman. I know there's like a real sense of pride in those places that goes back absolute decades. So it just feels like the perfect thing to take to to those theatres at this time. And um, I couldn't be more thrilled to be ending the tour. It's been an eight-week tour, and I'm ending it in Liverpool, which is just absolutely brilliant.
0: Fantastic. And I've got my tickets, so I shall be seeing you this week. Tell us about the shoes and the shoeboxes.
1: Yes. Yeah. So the, the whole premise of the show is based around shoes. And when, when it, it originally is a studio piece, really, and now I'm, I'm doing it in these huge auditoriums in order to be able to socially distance the audiences. And the way that I used to tell the story of the people who live on this street, Preston Road. Was to borrow people's shoes from the audience. Not all of them. Some of them are in shoe boxes at the back of the stage. Um, but for some of the characters, I'd borrow their shoes. And of course, I can't do that now because of COVID. Um, so we've had to find new ways now. But um, these sort of stacks of shoe boxes were always quite small in, in studio spaces. And now in these huge studio, in these huge spaces. They go up for metres and metres and metres and they look sort of like, almost like giant computers. It's really beautiful set with this sparkly blue carpet and these like massive, massive shelves of shoe boxes. And I picked different ones to represent different characters in the play. And it's, and it's a, a concept that really seems to work. Like when I was in Scarborough, um, I accidentally picked the wrong pair of slippers for one little bit and one character who you know, was an, an elderly man, was on a date with a very young girl and I felt the atmosphere in the, the room change and I was and I thought, What's happened? Something's happened. Nobody said anything. I <laughs> mean I looked and I realised I've got the wrong slippers and I said, I thought that that's Mr. Folisham, isn't it? And they were all like, Yeah And I was like, You knew as well, didn't you? They were all like yeah, because you become very invested in these shoes as representing these people and you, and you create your own picture about who they are. It's very clever, actually. It's not—I mean, nothing to do with me. Yeah. That's the writer and the brilliant director of Al Shaw, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, it seems to work a treat.
0: Great idea. Now, um, you won't remember this, but I've never missed an episode of Coronation Street, so I get very involved. So, in fact, we're very lucky to have you at the Playhouse because, really, you're still in prison in the pact.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, have They've let me out on parole just to do this, this short eight week tour. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but that's a bit of a spoiler if people haven't watched it on iPlayer yet. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. <laughs> Julie, you've done some
0: phenomenal work, haven't you, since you've left Coronation Street? You've been involved with some great drama, some
1: wonderful oh, stuff. I've been, I've been really lucky. Yeah, I've been. I've, I've, and when I left, you know, I, I didn't have any sort of. Um, Lofty expectations at all people, because I know that it can go either way for people and I just knew that I wanted to tell other stories and do other work yeah, and work yeah. with different people and, and do some theatre and, and just have a bit more of a varied career that was my only ambition really and I didn't know how that was going to work out so I just wanted to be a job in actor again really and, and what's happened subsequently and I think that part of that was because of the absolutely beautiful and long goodbye that the writers gave me on Corrie is that the, it sort of launched me into this next part of my life and my career where I've had all these extraordinary opportunities both in theatre and in telly and in film to work with you know people at the top of the game like Russell T Davies and Simon Stevens and Peter Bowker and Sally Wainwright and Chris Tibno you know, it's just been it's just been absolutely incredible and, and I don't I don't ever take it for granted. You know, I just feel yeah. so lucky to have been part of all these great projects. The pack obviously been the most recent one, which was you know, we filmed, you know, at the height of lockdown at the end of last year, you know, when things were really, really difficult. I think we were one of the first productions Um, outside of the salt to get back on on the road and you know it was really really challenging time trying to get that made but how lucky to have been working you know and when we first locked down in March I knew that that job was coming you know as soon as we were able to and knowing that I had a job lined up I mean that in itself felt like such a massive privilege in these really, really very difficult times for the arts. So, yeah, I've been I've been hugely
0: lucky. You mentioned the difficult time for the arts. You're very outspoken, which is great. You use your position, um, which is fantastic. You were uh, speaking for Jeremy Corbyn when he was around. What is your thoughts now about the theatres and the way we've been treated, the industry in general, from all the people backstage, from everywhere? It's been horrendous, hasn't it?
1: It has been horrendous. I mean, you know, there, there was the the cultural recovery fund, you know, which was which came, you know, at the eleventh hour actually, and and that was, you know, very very welcomed by the arts. But obviously, that is a relatively small pot um, in terms of of what's needed, and this this huge need there out there and we know that. I mean what what's difficult and what a lot of people don't realise I don't think is that the arts are made up very much of self employed people and a lot of people fell through the gaps between the self employed sort of to help people live during that time and also the the furlough scheme so if you if your income was a combination of, of the two sort of tax brackets you fell that right through it and you were living on absolutely nothing and then a lot of the theatres were making huge redundancies because there was no sign of a cultural recovery at that point and and I think that you know, there's, there's sometimes a myth around the arts that it's a, a luxury, that it's something, a bit of an add-on, you know, it's not something that we need um, as a society, that it's a, a, luxury is exactly the word, I think, that people think of it like that, and, and what they don't realise is, is not just what it brings into our lives in terms of enrichment, but also in terms of the huge, huge numbers of people yeah. that arts and the cultural industries employ. and of course actors are the face of that but then there's as you say you know it's the ushers, the courtroom attendants, the, the lighting designers, the workshop um, makers you know the props makers, the box office workers this absolutely swathes the people and more than that the difference for a town for struggling small towns, of which there are many now, of course, that are just dying. A theatre can make the difference between a town thriving or literally just dying away, because a theatre brings people in, it, it helps the restaurant industry around it, the hospitality, the hotels... It, it, it does everything for a community which is why you know good councils will always invest in the arts knowing that everything else will follow from that yeah. and um and i also am incredibly passionate about it being something that isn't a luxury just for the well healed, but that it's something that you know speaks to everybody and that everybody has an opportunity to to forge a career in the arts and, and again, that's becoming more and more difficult for young people from working-class backgrounds because it's becoming prohibitive and there's this sort of culture of feeling that uh, a career in the arts is um, fanciful and not for the likes of us, you know, which which we got past, actually. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, young people are being constantly dissuaded from doing arts degrees or going to drama school or arts because it's like oh well what will you do with it you'll never make a living from it and actually the cultural bring in billions of pounds into into our country every year and they're also huge employers of people it's one of the only burgeoning industries we have left in this country yeah. so you know it's it's a it's a falsehood to think of it as this kind of like frivolous little add-on to yeah. our lives and i think during lockdown we've all really had a renewed appreciation of how much we need art and culture from the things that we've just, like, lived off. The music, the books, the TV series, the films. It's what's kept us going, yep. isn't it?
0: Julie, you're a passionate lady. You're coming to Liverpool to uh, appear at the Playhouse in the greatest play in the history of the world. To finish off, what do you want people to walk out of the Playhouse saying about what they've just witnessed?
1: Well... I hope that people come out. That's a really good question, Pete. I'd I'd like people to come out feeling safe and knowing that the theatres is possibly the safest place that you could be at the moment. They're doing absolutely everything in their power to keep us as safe as possible. And I I know the audiences all through this tour have really felt held by the theatres in that way. And I'd like people to feel connected, to each other again because there is nothing like sitting in an auditorium with other people watching something together and that something especially that's a celebration of human beings in all the messiness and love and daftness and mistake-making and flaws, just all of that and just what matters at the end of it all, just the the tininess of us all in this huge universe and how we can leave our mark and how we can live our best life. But but really, just to sit in an auditorium, albeit a socially distanced one, and experience something with other people and laugh and maybe like share a tear together is just a really, really beautiful thing and a thing that we've all really
0: really missed. The play is called The Greatest Play in the History of the World it's at the Playhouse, you're here um, we're thrilled, Julie Henson-Houch thank you so, so much for joining me.
1: Thank you Pete, take
0: care of yourself. If you enjoyed that ladies and gentlemen, why not subscribe it's free of charge and I love being with you Liverpool.